all yours. Good morning. And as <clears throat> Terry mentioned, you know, that he's burdensome series and the ideas that, you know, Jesus gave a command is something that seems hard. And so we're taking those commands that, and breaking them down and making them into something, you know, deconstructing and seeing how burdensome they not are. And so today we're talking about joy and trials. And again, that seems one of those outrageous commands that Jesus gave, you know, for to his, in his teaching is, uh, you know, you got to be reborn. What? Born again? How's that happen? You eat my flesh. What is he talking about? And love your enemies? No way. But in this, enjoy in trials. And I think this is one of those topics that the, the more we understand what actually what he's talking about, and we can be able to apply this and use this as a tool. And so, anyway, you might be asking yourself, what does this kid know about trials? And I have you know, I'm not a kid. I'm 37. And I did shave this morning, so I look younger than what I am. But, and you know, and to be honest, I've never been diagnosed with a life-threatening illness. I've never uh, been thrown in prison. And I've uh, never been faced with bankruptcy or foreclosure. So I, I, that is true. But, you know, I've, I've read a book about it, and I think I'm qualified. Um, and so the, let's get into what the text says, and all your, in all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you, ha you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And so we are looking at, uh, you know, what's saying here, having joy in this grief and this suffering? Is this a, a, some kind of masochistic, you know, we give pleasure out of pain, and no, is this a method to increase our spirituality by punishing our bodies, by torturing ourselves. You know, some people have, you know, come to think that and had that theory, but no, that's, again, that's not what he's talking about here. Um, and so, is this a, a time where we just put on a facade? We put on this face, the smiling face. Is that the burden? We have to smile, grit our teeth, and just continue through and again, I don't think so. I, mean, I think the, the text, and we have to read into it and what he's actually saying. So, the, uh, so this is from 1 Peter 1, 6. And so let's look at the context. So the verse prior to this reads, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who though, through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And so, you know, he's starting out with this, this promise. He's giving us, he's telling us, you have an inheritance you have a hope. You have something to look forward to. And so, whenever he says, in this you greatly rejoice, no, he's not saying rejoice in that pain, in that suffering. This is what we can rejoice in. This is what we can have a hope in. And so, let's talk about that for just a second. What is happiness? What is joy? You know, and happiness is kind of tied to that happenstance, happening right now. And so, 
yes, we can have grief and we can have suffering and sorrow, but Jesus says that we can have hope and joy, and that hope cannot be taken away from us. And that hope is secure. And again, in the, so this is the verse following what he just what he says when having joy in trials. These have, and speaking of trials here, these have come that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Again, that promise again, when Jesus is revealed, there's something coming. But also, I like in um, where he's saying, oh, let me con- now, let's speak to this. So yeah, in this proven gen- genuineness. You know, that proven can sometimes be translated a test. So the testing, the trying. And so you have to see if what you're looking at is real. And so here Peter's saying, these trials will come to you. And you say you have faith, but these trials are going to test that faith. And these trials are going to determine whether that faith that you have is real and rooted And so, in moving on to this next verse, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him, and you are filled with an unexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith and salvation of your souls. Again, that promise. You're receiving that end result of your faith. And so it's kind of booking, and he starts at the beginning of this, what he's talking about, and he starts at the end, and both of them together, speaking of that promise and that glory that we have. And so these, these tragedies and these trials and this pain and this suffering that we see, you know, it kind of speaks to the brokenness of this world. And so one thing we have to understand is why is there suffering? Why is there pain? Why am I suffering? Am I? And so, you know, you think about the book of Job, you know, and calamity after calamity just coming on Job and just being hit one thing right after another before the, even, the next servant can even stop speaking. The next one's coming in. And so you're asking, and Job even asks why. All of his friends are asking, you probably, you've done something wrong. What did you do? But again, if, you know, in that story, you know, we get to the end and God speaks to Job and tells him, you know, how, you know, basically, yes, you're questioning me, but you don't have to question me. And so we also even sometimes ask ourselves, uh, am I being punished? You know, and that's what several Job's friends did. They ask, am I being punished for what's happening to me. And even Jesus' disciples, they had the same question. You know, and they, and they saw the blind man in the temple and they asked, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And again, that's, that's this mindset that we can have. Um, and so the, Jesus is, you know, we have to come to that understanding that when sin entered the world, that it brought with it pain, it brought with it suffering, it brought with it death. 
broken relationships. And so we have to, we see this in context, contrast to that. We see the brokenness of this world. We see the suffering, this pain. But God has given us a promise that there's going to be an end to all of that. And so, and we, we have to, you know, we have to, we have to see, we have to first understand that, yes, there's pain and suffering in this world. And God allows it. You know, that's a different lesson in itself, and that's a completely different topic. You know, but we want to focus on having that joy in that pain. But we've come to that understanding, yes, there's sin in the world. It's a broken, fallen world, and that's the short answer to why. But we have joy because there's a way out. And kind of moving on, you know, James, he has this similar, you know, scripture reading, a kind of sister verse to this almost. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And, you know, the... uh, Back in Peter, the result for him was praise and glory and honor when he saw these trials. And here, James, he sees perseverance in these trials. You know, and, I, and you think of perseverance and you think of endurance. And you think of pushing through. You know, it's that's the idea that, you know, marathon or first, or first-time runner doesn't just go out and run a marathon that there's training involved, and there's pushing yourself. And, you know, each time you can run a little further, and you can do a little bit more, and you're growing. And that's kind of the, uh, the intent right here in this verse by saying you have endurance, and you have perseverance. You can push through. And, again, we see the same, that the, uh, this testing here is that same Greek word for proven. You know, and the idea is that the, the proven and positive outcome that has been, it's already been tried and tested and it's proven. And so again, we have to look at the context. We'll continue reading in this one. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so, you know, it's a, a building, you know, a maturing process. We're moving forward, we're making progress. Again, yeah, let's look at context. And so and he's, he says that we're testing of our faith produces endurance. And then he goes and speaks about if you lack wisdom, ask for wisdom. You know, and if you, those who are poor, you know, you have a low state and, and you know, you are, you're already trusting in God. And those who are rich, you need to humble yourselves and trusting, to trust in God. And then he goes into this. Blessed is the man who per- perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And then he kind of switches gears here. He says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot, tempt by, cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone, in parentheses, with evil. But each one who is tempted, when he is carried away, enticed by his own lust, when that lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. And so, what, you know, how do we talk about going from 
trials and these, if we're thinking about trials as, you know, act, act, you know acting on us in these things, this world, this, you know, suffering and death and pain, but then he switches gears into being temptation. And so it's, and I, I have this thought, you know, and I, we've already, you know, we looked at the Greek and we said that testing and proven are kind of the same Greek word. Same Greek word can be translated either way. And so the translators, you know, they have to look at the context and kind of pick the word. But then also trial and temptation have the same Greek word, pyrasmos. And so again, the, the translators have to look at the context and try to place this where it belongs. And so, I, and, and it got me kind of thinking about this verse and in its, in its context. You know, we've, he started out with this thought and he and immediately moves into this next thought. And so I ask, you know, what if we look at it from that lens? What if we look at it from a temptation standpoint? And reread that. And so, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face temptations of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Okay? That, and then this next one kind of makes, that makes sense now. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking, not lacking anything. And so if we're thinking about previously about this being, you know, uh, suffering trials and, you know, suffering and death and pain, you know, that, you know, you can, you have that relationship with God, and yes, that's one understanding. But then, and if you think about it in this way, about these being temptations and growth, there's a lot of temptations that I deal with, you know, and there's a lot of, th- of areas and ways that I can continue to grow in that regard. And so this is kind of one area I can talk to. And so we had our uh, Calibrate meeting, and we talked about CR, and so you CR people, I need your help here. Uh, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I am in recovery from an addiction to pornography and lust. I still struggle with uh, people pleasing. Um, and my name is Jason. And so this is, I can, I can speak to this. I know this. I know temptation. And I, uh, I'm, I'm grateful to gone through a 12-step study. And, and so now, and I have a, a testimony here for you. Where at one time, if the thought came into my head on how I could seal and hide, you know, my, uh, my lust desires and my um, lewd acts and those in my browser, if I could hide, if I thought of mine, hey, that might work, I could hide it that way. It was as if I had no choice. I was truly a slave. I... I I had to do what this temptation that was coming before me. But, you know, and I can tell you the other day, I had this, I was sitting in my car and I had this thought, you know what? I could probably hide this there and nobody would ever know about it. No, even, nobody would even think to look about it there. You know, and I'm proud <laughs> in a sense to say that I can see those temptations now for the lies that they are, you know? And I can see, um, you know, where that leads. And I can call, and I can walk away from it. 
because I now see to have truth and I can walk away from that. And I can call my accountability partner and I can tell him what I was thinking. I can tell him what's going on in my life right now. And there's no shame. And so, you know, you can ask yourself that question. Do I have joy in those temptations? Do I have joy in all that agony and that uh, shame, that regret, that embarrassment, and even those hurt feelings that I went to? Do I have joy in that? And I can honestly, honestly tell you now, yes, I do have joy in those because now I'm a different person than who I was. Now I have perseverance where before I had none. And so I can honestly say that my trust, and so we talk about trust, faith, that faith in God has now been proven because now I trust him that he can fix me, that he can heal me, and that I can overcome these things with his power. I, I tried f- for years and you know, to my own shame and for trying to think that I could get out of it. I could power my way out of it. I could will my way out of it. No, it wasn't until I trusted him that I could get out of it. And so, yes, <laughs> I do have joy in that. I have happiness. And I'm, I'm happy for my family in that. And so, again, we're reading on. Blessed is a man who per- perseveres under temptation. For once he has been proven, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And again, I think this is building on just that faith. And that faith and that trust in God is where this is building that faith. And so, again, that proven, that proven is not proven to God. (laughs) Honestly, it's proven to me. You know, Jesus said, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And again, the faith is small, but God's power is not, you know, my faith is not moving as God's power. So even if I have to believe that faith in me works. So kind of moving on in this thought process, you know, I'm, that's a lot darker than I anticipated. So, I'll, so blessed are those who are, per, who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is a red letter, you know, scripture. So we're We kind of perk our ears up when we hear those red letters and we pay attention. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Again, so Jesus is speaking here. And this is from Matthew 5. You might recognize that as the Beatitudes. This is not a little small, intimate gathering with his disciples saying, hey, people are going to hate you. And people are going to say all kinds of bad things about you and persecute you. No, this was said up on the mountaintop. This was said in front of thousands of people to everyone. Hey, if you're going to follow me, you are going to be reviled. That all your friends are going to abandon you. All your friends are going to leave you. No one's going to talk to you. But you are blessed. And in that day, you are to rejoice and be glad in that. Again, no. (laughs) In that actual moment, in that circumstances, no. There's no rejoicing really in that, in that act. You know, I'm not happy about that. The rejoicing is because of that promise 
be glad to be rulers and great in heaven. Again, we are looking at the distance. We're looking off at the horizon, you know, and we're looking out beyond this, ex, this uh, terrestrial that we have in front of us. And so, and, you know, and, and this also calls into mind. Uh, so, again, he also mentions, for the prophets who were before you, they were persecuted too. You know, these prophets of, in the Old Testament, they were oftentimes running for their lives. They were hiding in caves. They were off in distant lands. And so anybody who speaks God's truth is going to be hated, is going to be reviled, because the, the enemy that we are going up against, he does not play fair. You know, and he's going to use those around you. He's going to use loved ones. You know, he's going to de- deny you and turn their back on you. And so, you know, you, and so Jesus was, he was being truthful. You know, he's being right there up front with it. And again, this kind of recalls to mind, so, you know, an instance of this. And so Peter and John, I'm going to recount from, uh, you know, from Acts 4 and chapter 5, you know, this a story of Peter and the apostles. Well, Peter and John are out preaching, and, and the, uh, the Jewish council come, and they, they bring them in, and they arrest them, and they say, and they threaten them, stop preaching Jesus, or bad things are going to happen. So they let them go. They do not stop. And so at one point in time, you know, they, they, the Sanhedrin comes and re-arrest them again. And they not just them, they round up all 12 apostles, and they throw them in jail. And then that night, an angel comes and releases them and leads them out of jail. And then they, the angel also tells them, go preach in the temple. And they, so that, the next morning, as soon as dawn breaks, they're not wasting any time. They're in that temple, and they're preaching. They're doing what, what God tells them to do. And so the next, then the St. Hadrian assembles the next morning, and they call for them, and they're not in their jail cell. Where are they? It was locked. Where'd they go? And so they go looking for them. They start, they're in the temple preaching again. Rearrest them again and drag them back into the Sanhedrin. And here their Sanhedrin is threatening them again, do not preach Jesus. And Peter gives the, the famous line, we will serve God, not men. And that right there nearly cost them the lives. The Sanhedrin was ready to kill them right then and there. You know, but a, uh, a Pharisee, you know, teacher of the law, he stood up and he says, hey, Let's calm down. If we kill this man, there's going to be uprising. Just let them go. And like all the other rebellions, they'll quiet down. They'll go away. And that Pharisee's name is Gamaliel. He had a, a student named Saul. You may have heard of him. And so the Sanhedrin, they beat him. They beat them all. And they threatened him again. Do not preach to Jesus and set him free. And then we have this verse in Acts 5, at the end of Acts 5. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering, disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped preaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. So they were beaten with an inch of their life. Well, I'd say that. They were beaten, let's say that. And they were nearly killed. And as soon as they are released, they are 
high-fiving each other and rejoicing and leaping for joy that they were worthy to suffer for Christ. In my opinion, that is pretty next level. And so, I mean, I hope to be there one day. And so whenever in uh, Peter, you know, we, we are already reading in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 earlier, and again here in 1 Peter 4, he says, do not be, he's in the same letter to the churches in Asia, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes to test you as something strange, but rejoice as you share in Christ's sufferings and be glad when his glory is revealed. <sighs> you know, I'll be honest with you, I have never had somebody stand in my face and dress me up and down for being a Christian. Truth is, probably because they didn't know. And so, I mean, that's a confession from me to you. You know, that's truth, and that's something that I need to grow in. And so, and I kind of, whenever I was, uh, well, let's speak to this. Tragedy and temptation and persecution, they can all steal our joy. You know, and I, I believe that if we do not have that faith, that trust, and that proven trust in God, that they can. They can steal our joy. You know, they can drive us, you know, they can break relationships. They can drive us in depression, loneliness. And I mean, it's true. And I think, you know, there's, you have to have that foundation and that trust in God and that belief in God. And I think even the maturity in that as well, too. There's a certain amount of a maturity that goes into that. And so, but I believe that that faith is building, is growing, you know. And you think about all these children coming to VBS and that faith is perhaps small, you know. But I, you know, and I, and I believe that's why our elders, they say our elders to be, you know, have not be young men. There's a reason for that. <laughs> their faith has grown. Their perseverance has grown and all of the things and all the trials and everything they've seen. But I also, I believe that we have a beautiful, beautiful testimony that once we've gone through those things, you know, we're able to take what we've gone through to others. You know, we'll be able to share that with others. And I, you know, I, and even if I haven't gone through some of these things that I mentioned at the beginning, you know, but I can at least share that faith that I have with them. And I can plant that in them. And I can, and understanding, you know, it's uh, sitting with somebody who's lost a loved one, that's, that's something difficult right there. I mean, what do you say? This, I mean, this is what you have to say in those moments. And so, and I want to leave this thought with you and this idea with you that God can even use the brokenness of this world, the sin in this world, the hatred in this world. He can use all those things to build you up. That sounds contrary, but yeah. He can use those things. He can also use those things for his glory. So nothing is wasted with God. And so I believe in those things we can have everlasting joy. <laughs>